Welcome to the Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. And this week, we're talking about the final installment in Richard Wagner's Ring Cycle. That is Gotterdammerung. Twilight of the Gods. Which debuted at Bayreuth in 1876, Eric. Right. At the end of Siegfried, the third of the four in the cycle, Siegfried has mounted the rock. He's got through the, the circle of fire and he's woken Brunhilde and they are in love, etc. And go singing loudly into their future. Yes. <laughs> Where do we pick up at the beginning of Gotterdammerung? Well, at the beginning of Gotterdammerung, we have uh, another trope from North mythology, and those are the Norns. These are the sort of the, the Norse equivalent of the fates in Greek mythology. These are the, the three old wise women who weave the fate of the world uh, on their, their loom. Basically, they're here for exposition. <laughs> I mean, it's Wagner needed to do frequently, sort of catch people up. Okay, here's what's happened so far. Uh, and especially now, you know, we're, we're entering the fourth installment of this cycle, and he sort of needs to catch people up. So that's what the Norns are here to do. And as they weave that thread of life, if yes. you like, it breaks. It breaks, which uh, causes them not a little bit of consternation. So they sink into the earth to go consult their mother, Erda, and, uh, and we're left on Valkyrie Rock, where we last found ourselves at the end of Siegfried. Siegfried and Brunhilde emerge from the cave. Right. And you know what's really uh, uh, key to, to note here is Siegfried's motif, which has changed. Because when we, when we saw him in Siegfried, he was a young, brash, uh, impulsive kid, in a sense. And so his, his horn motif was very skittish. It was basically a solo horn going bum, 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 you know, very evocative of his character at the time. Now, Time has passed, and he and Brunhilde have been a married couple for quite some time, and he has matured. So the motif is based on his old motif, but it's much more mature, grand, uh, a little simpler. It's not quite so hyperactive <laughs> as it once was. And now it goes bum, 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 bum. And we'll hear it a lot throughout Goethe Demerung. But it's interesting to watch Wagner use his motifs to give us information about the character and what's happened to him in that interim of time that we've lost sight of him. They emerge from this cave where they are living, and he is going out into the world. Right. He's, he's restless. He's, he's done the domestic thing for a while. Because his job sort of is being a hero. Yes. And so he has to go out and do heroic things. Right. Keep his rep up. Before he leaves, though, he gives Brunhilde the ring. The ring. <laughs> the cursed ring of Alberich, taken from the, the Rhine Maidens, all the way back in Das Rheingold, the very first of the, the ring cycle operas. Right. And, of course, neither of them know that it's cursed. They don't, they don't know that part of the story. She doesn't even know it's the ring. She just sees this nice, pretty bauble that he's given her as sort of a, a wedding ring. Right. She is still on the rock. She's still surrounded by this the protective fire, so he can leave her knowing that she's not going to come to any harm because he's the only one that can penetrate the ring of fire. Right, because she is mortal now, we must remember. That's right. So off he goes, and he comes across the Gibichungs, 
Yes. Who are the Gibichungs? <laughs> the Gibichungs, they're, well, they're the, the children of Gibich. <laughs> That's who they are. Uh, they are Gunther, who is, I guess he's, he would be the king. And this is the a head small, of the tribe. Yeah, the head of the tribe. Gunther, his sister Gutruna, and their half-brother Hagen. Hagen is their half-brother because they do not share a father. Hagen's father is Alberich. Aha. Aha. So he's half Nibelung. He's half Nibelung, half Gibichung. Yes. Right. And all no good. <laughs> no <laughs> good at all. This guy is bad news. Like father, like son. Pretty much. Only worse. <laughs> so the Gibichungs have sort of fallen on hard times. And they're, they're looking for a way to, uh, you know, increase their fortunes. Shore up their, their place but, in the world. Yeah, because let's be completely honest. These are, um, well, <laughs> these folks are not uh, top tier, shall we say. They're not the sharpest tools in the shed. They are not. They are most assuredly are not. So Hagen begins telling his half-brother and sister this tale of uh, this amazing warrior woman, Brynhilda. Uh, who's up on this Valkyrie rock surrounded by the magic fire. Uh, wouldn't she be a great bride for Gunther if they could get her? Well, there's a way they could get her, and that is by winning Siegfried over to their side, who is this amazing hero who is coming this way even as we speak. And, oh, well, guess what? Here he is. As if on cue. <laughs> <laughs> we hear his horn call down in the valley as he approaches. Does Hagen know that Siegfried has the ring. Oh, boy, does he. He sure does. And he knows, obviously, of his father's curse He on knows the ring. all of it. He knows all of it. He, and he's the only one on stage who does. He's the master manipulator behind the scenes, trying to get everything to go his way so that he can get hold of the ring himself. So the idea is that Gunther will marry Brunhilde. That's the, that's the goal. And Siegfried who has just shown up, he'll marry Gutruna. Right. But in order to be able to get him, to get, to get Siegfried to do everything they want him to do, Hagen reminds Gunther and Gutruna that they have this potion uh, in their possession. It's another sort of love potion. Uh, yes, except what it will do, actually, is it will cause Siegfried to forget any other women he's ever known. So that you know, he's ripe for the picking for good. It's an inverse love potion. <laughs> kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of. Yeah, yeah. So they, they, they welcome Siegfried into their midst, and Gutruna brings him this drink, which is laced with this potion that will cause him to forget uh, all the other women he's known, which is one woman. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Brunhilde. That's Brunhilde. So he drinks the potion. Then Hagen is able to put in place his devious plan. Right. Once he drinks the potion, Siegfried sees Gutruna and thinks, hmm, she's quite cute. She's dishy. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is, it's all beginning to unfold. Exactly as Hagen wants it to. And they bring up Brunhilde, and Siegfried says, I can go and get her for you. Right. Of course, he's forgotten all about his relationship with Brunhilde. Exactly. And he can put on the Tarnhelm. And pretend to be Gunther. Gunther. But he'll still, because he's still Siegfried, he can get through the fire. Right. So Gunther and Siegfried take a, a blood brother oath. Right. 
Gunther is buying into this hook, line, and sinker because he's kind of weaselly, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> so they, 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 they cut their arms and they, they mingle their blood in some wine and they drink it. Right. And this is this binding oath of loyalty and brotherhood and etc. Exactly. So they've taken the oath and Siegfried sets off to go get Brunhilde. Disguised as Gunther. Disguised as Gunther. And we cut back to the Valkyrie Rock. And Brunhilde's there, and she's sitting looking at that lovely ring that Siegfried gave her before he left. Right. When all of a sudden she has a visitor, none other than her sister Valtrauta, who is still a Valkyrie, still immortal. And Valtrauta arrives on horseback uh, in kind of a, a panicked state. Uh, and her express purpose in visiting Brunhilde, and it should be noted, she's disobeying Wotan in doing so, because Wotan had basically decreed that Brunhilde would not be, you know, she was cut off from the whole family, from everyone. And, but Valtraut has ignored that and come to visit Brunhilde because she's come to beg her to give up the ring. Because the only way that that curse will be broken is to is to give it back to the Rhine maidens and that will save the gods right because Wotan at this point has sealed himself up in Valhalla he's disconsolate he's just he's just waiting for the end that's all he's doing he's gathered all his heroes around him and he's sort of stoically braced himself for you know for the end for the twilight of the gods Brunhilde is not interested in giving up the ring. Couldn't care less. Because to her, it's a symbol of Siegfried's love for her, her love for Siegfried. Exactly. And she refuses Valtralta outright, who hops on her horse and flies away uh, in panic. She's still, <laughs> she's still in, in, in quite a, uh, a state of, of anxiety over what's going to happen, because it's not looking good. <laughs> Siegfried arrives. Right, because the the fire starts to subside, and Brunhilde recognizes that that must be that must mean that Siegfried is back. But it's not Siegfried; it's somebody else. Uh, so she thinks. Right. <laughs> and Siegfried slash Gunther. Right. In he comes, and he takes the ring from her. Right. He doesn't know who she is. He doesn't remember anything about her. He's just doing his part as he promised Gunther he would. And uh, he takes her back inside the cave for them to spend the night, but he's going to put Notung between them so that there's no impropriety. That's his sword. That's his sword. The sword of his father, actually, Sigmund. So there we are at the end of Act One. Siegfried has no recollection of Brunhilde. He's got her, he's got the ring, and we go into Act Two. Exactly. Act Two, we are back among the Gibbichungs. Right. And it's almost dawn. It's just before dawn, and Hagen has, is sitting watch. And he has this, this incredible monologue with all these motifs playing behind him. And we're, we, for the first time, really see how monstrously evil this guy is because the motifs are allowing us to look inside his mind and see that he has Siegfried's death you know, in mind. That's, that's his end game. And Alberic shows up. Yes, or so we think. We're not really sure. We're not really sure if Alberic is there actually or if it's Hagen in a dream state is imagining Alberic. It could be one or the other. We don't, we're, not, we're not sure because Hagen 
sort of stares straight ahead into space through this entire dialogue with Albrecht. And Albrecht is kind of moving around him, but Hagen seems to be almost be in a trance throughout the encounter. What Albrecht tells him, though, is to... Be true, my son. That's right. Be true. Zeitroy. Get the ring back. Yes. Revenge. Exactly. Hagen wakes up, (laughs) (laughs) comes out of his trance, and Alberic's gone, and Siegfried comes back. Right. Where's Brunhilde? Brunhilde is uh, is with Gunther. Siegfried has managed to make the switch, switch places with Gunther so that Brunhilde never knows that it was actually Siegfried that right. got through the fire and got her. So he got her down off the rock, <laughs> handed her off to Gunther somehow without her knowing, you know, perhaps in the night while she was asleep. And uh, Gunther and Brunhilde are arriving on the barge, but Siegfried has come ahead. Hagen then takes out his steer horn and he blows th- three blasts on it to call all the vassals, all the Gibichung vassals to come and, and congregate because that's actually that's the that's the signal that he's blown that something is wrong that they're under attack or of some sort and everybody all the vassals come and crowd around him going what's wrong what's wrong and Hagen tells them that it's a glorious day that Gunther is coming with his new bride Brynhilde and he's summoned them all there to welcome them Brynhilde she sees Siegfried. Right, because Gunther introduces his sister and her new fiancé. <laughs> oh, ouch. Yes. Brynhilde is not pleased to say the least. <laughs> She's very confused, doesn't know what in the world is going on here, but can only conclude that Siegfried has betrayed her. She doesn't know anything about the drug, anything about, you know, ex- only that the, the, that her husband is denying even knowing her. And is going to marry somebody else. Yes. And she sees the ring on his finger. Right, which is even more confusing because as it was far Gunther as she knows, it. Gunther took it from her. Right. <laughs> Brunhilde then accuses Siegfried of treachery. Treachery. And of course, they don't know Gunther. And they don't know what's going on. Right. Because as far as they're concerned, Siegfried doesn't know this woman from Adam. Right. So Hagen steps in and suggests that Siegfried take an oath on the, by you know, touching the point of his spear and, and, and taking an oath on his spear that he is innocent of all these things that Brunhilde has accused him of, which he does. To his mind, he believes it. But she does the same thing as well. Well, she just grabs the spear and says, okay, buddy. <laughs> I can do that too. And, uh, and she's, she equally swears that, that he's lying and that he was completely unfaithful to her and there's treachery going on. Siegfried and Gertruna go off into the hall for this sort of wedding feast. As do all the vassals. And we're left with Gunther. Hagen and Brunhilde to plot. Yeah, nothing good's going to come of this. Basically, basically Hagen is 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 pulling all the strings here, and he's you know he's got Brunhilde and Gunther right where he wants them, and they are hopping mad both of them because they both think they've been betrayed by Siegfried, and he's working them up, and he he suggests. The only way out of this, the only way to resolve this is that Siegfried must die. 
And Brynhilda kind of looks at him and goes, who's going to kill him, you? <laughs> she literally says that. <laughs> and then Because he's the great hero. Yeah. And she says, with one blink of his eye, you would be dead in a, you know, in a heartbeat. But then she says that there is a way that even though she was stripped of her, her godhood by Wotan at the end of Divalkyrie, she still has knowledge of, of some of the magic arts, and she has protected him with spells, protective spells all over his body, except she didn't bother protecting his back because she knew he would never turn his back to an enemy. And that obviously is his Achilles heel, so to speak. Exactly right. So they're all agreed that Siegfried must die. Yes. And they're also agreed that they're going out for a hunt the next day and they'll make it look like a hunting accident. Right. And that's where we end Act 2. The beginning of Act 3, in some respects, harkens back to the beginning of Act 2. The Rhine Maidens come to Siegfried in the same way that Valtrauta comes to to Brunhilde. And they're trying to get Siegfried to give them back the ring. Right. Also harkens back to the very beginning of this whole thing because we haven't seen the Rhine Maiden since the beginning of Das Rheingold. And so, you know, this is, this is Wagner kind of tying everything all together, this big sprawling epic. Siegfried says, I'm not going to give you the ring. Yeah. You know? He doesn't really take them seriously. Right. I'm not afraid. Right. So the Rhine Maidens go away. Hagen and the other hunters Join Siegfried. Right. They're taking a little break from hunting, so they're going to have a drink while they relax. And Hagen says to Siegfried, Tell us some stories. Yeah, tell us about your life. What great things have you done? Yeah. And he puts again an antidote to to the original potion in his drink. Into his drink. And so as Siegfried recounts his life, he gets to the part about Brunhilde. Right. And of and course, he remembers. He remembers. And he recounts how he awakened her and kissed her awake and how they, you know, the, this glorious woman became his bride, at which Hagen is poised right behind him with his spear and plunges the spear into his Siegfried's back. And he dies. Not right away. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a little bit to sing first. <laughs> but... Yeah, he does. Uh, Gunther, of course, being, you know, the vacillating weasel, is appalled. (laughs) Hagen, how could you? And uh, Siegfried dies uh, thinking of Brynhilde with, you know, with her name on on his lips as he dies. Because he's got his memory back. He does. And he remembers his love for her. And that's how he goes out with Brynhilde's name on his lips. Right. So then they, they bear his body back to the Gibichung Hall, and this is the, the famous orchestral passage known as Siegfried's Funeral, funeral March. Music. Mm-hmm. Yes. Siegfried's body is taken back in funeral procession. Right. Gutruna has, has been waiting, and she's, she's agitated, and she doesn't know why. She's afraid, she, she's afraid of Brynhilde, not quite sure why. Uh, something, something, she's got a portent that something awful is about to happen, and of course it has. Uh, as Siegfried's her dead. fiance is her dead. Her fiance is dead. He's absolutely dead. Gunther reveals to Gutruna that Hagen killed Siegfried, and Hagen turns around and kills Gunther. Yeah, he's on a roll. <laughs> he, 
But what he really wants is the ring. The ring, which is still on Siegfried's hand. Right. And he goes and reaches for it, at which point Siegfried's arm, and Siegfried is dead, mind you, his arm rises up with the ring on it and warding Hagen off, at which point Brunhilde walks in and says, I know everything. She knows about what Hagen and the Gibichungs have done to Siegfried. She knows about the potions. She's, she knows it all. Uh, and she's tragically realized that Siegfried was a pawn and did not betray her, at least not willingly. And, and she orders a funeral pyre to be built for him. Right. And once the pyre is, is built and Siegfried's body is placed upon it, she lights the pyre. She has the ring now. And she rides into the funeral pyre itself. She gets on her steed and on she Grana, rides her in. her steed and rides in, immolates herself, which causes the whole Gibichung Hall collapses. The Rhine overflows its banks. You can see Valhalla burning up in the sky. The whole world order that Wotan had carefully crafted has come apart. Because as the Rhine bursts its banks, etc., the Rhine maidens are able to come and take back the ring. Right. Hagen rushes in after it to try to grab it away from them, and they actually drag him under the, under the waves and drown him. And so that whole order of the gods, Valhalla, it has all crumbled. Exactly. We, you hear the Valhalla motif and the fire motif going on at the same time, and there's these huge, beautiful, majestic statements of the Valhalla motif as it burns. And when it subsides, the one motif that we're left with is the motif harking all the way back to Die Valkyra when Sieglinde was saying farewell to, to Brynhilde for saving her. And, and Brynhilde has told her that Siegfried would be the, her child. She sings, O Herstes Wunder, and she sings it to this motif. And it's the motif of redemption through love. And at that moment, we, you know, if, if we know the motif system, we know that Wagner is telling us that Brynhilde is the key to it all. And of course, now we know if she absolutely is. She has brought the, the ring back to the Rhine Maidens. She's completely set everything back aright, and, and it's that motif that we hear in the high strings of, of redemption through love, of Brynhilde's love for Siegfried that has redeemed this whole wrong world order that Wotan had, had, had set up. Because that world order was marked by greed and violence and all, lust for power lust and for power. all these things, and, and it was built upon... Uh, a, a renunciation of love, because that's what, what what Albrecht had to do to get the gold to begin with. He had to renounce love. And so it was a loveless world order. And Brunhilde has restored love into the world and thereby redeemed it. Redemption through love. Richard Wagner's Gotterdammerung. That's this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. Thank you for listening. <laughs>